Now, I said earlier on, I am not sure if this was a coincidence or serendipity, but this weekend I stumbled across the words of an expert in Buddhism who said, quote, as the world deals with the trauma caused by COVID-19, it's a good opportunity to reflect on the healing potential, both large and small of uh, kindness and both large and small acts of kindness. Burnout has become almost uh, a buzzword during the pandemic and self-care is a major focus. But what if your fastest path to self-care actually lies in caring for others? That is something that our next guest believes. Jamil Zaki is professor at Stanford University and the author of The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World. Well, I'm so happy to have you on, Professor Zaki, because I think what we could all use about now is kindness. Oh, it's great to be with you, and I, I couldn't agree more. So you believe that putting someone else's needs first um, can be uh, the one of the best ways to soothe your burnout. How? Why? Explain. Well, you know, it turns out that one of the most uplifting and reliable findings in social psychology over the last 10 or 15 years is that when we do for others, we actually do for ourselves. So spending money on other people makes us happier than spending on ourselves. Spending time to help other people makes us feel like we have more time and helping others through their stress helps us feel less of our own stress. The problem is that a lot of the times people don't seem to know this. If you ask them what will make you happy, they say, I'd much rather spend money on myself. And when people are stressed and lonely, they tend to feel as though they need to spend all of their energy on themselves. Ironically, depriving themselves of the social connection that might make them feel better after all. It's interesting because when we think about self-care, you're like, what do you want to do for self? I want to go to a spa. I want to get, you know, be in a quiet room uh, where there are not many distractions. Someone gives me a massage or I just want to sit alone and read my book. It does involve being alone self-care. So uh, do we just have to look at self-care through a different lens? I think so. I mean, self-care is terrific, right? Watching Ted Lasso, taking a bath, eating chocolate, all three at the same time sounds, sounds wonderful to all of us, probably. And it's, there's absolutely a need that we all have to be alone. I think the problem is when we see self-care as a total fix for burnout and stress. Because a lot of the time, burnout isn't just that we have too much to do. That's part of it. It's also that we're not finding meaning in what we're doing. And meaning often doesn't come just from being alone. Meaning is often found through togetherness with other people and uh, by making a difference for them. I know some people think they are overwhelmed. I mean, we throughout this pandemic, we have a lot of time. It's it's kind of a paradox. You know, we have a lot of extra time, but we don't have enough time, it seems. So how can we um sh how can we approach caring for others in a way that is going to best uh, I guess, serve us and, um, and, and rejuvenate us as opposed to drain us? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I could almost hear many of your listeners saying, are you kidding me? Caring for others will help me. I'm caring for others constantly, whether it's mm -hmm. a, a, a child in Zoom school or an immunocompromised parent. A lot of us feel like we've been worn to a nub specifically by being there for other people. But I think that what you're getting at is really important, which is that it's about how we structure our time, but it's also about how we see our actions. Oftentimes what matters is the way that you interpret what you're doing. 
So, you know, a lot of us are taking care of other people, but we feel that it's just an obligation, something that we're forced into. It turns out that the scientific literature shows us that when we interpret an act of kindness as something that we want to do, right, when we focus on the meaning that it has for us, mm. on our empathy for the people that we're helping, and on our autonomy, the choice that we have made in caring for someone else, that kind of supercharges an act of helping and makes it more uh, beneficial to us, the helper. So I encourage listeners to kind of try to take autonomy and empowerment where you can find it. I know a lot of us have tons of obligations, but pick your spots and remember why you're helping other people. Remember why those relationships matter. And that can add to the beneficial effects of kindness. So can caring for somebody can feel like a burden sometimes and a heavy burden and something that, you know, all falls to one particular member of the family, sometimes in the case of uh, an aging parent. How do you stay positive about this and um, make sure that this feeds you as opposed to drains you? Yeah, I mean, first, I want to acknowledge that 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 the situation you describe and many people's situation is legitimately very difficult. So I'm not trying to tell anyone to think themselves out of what can be a, a really painful and difficult situation. But again, I think that some one source of some help here can be returning to your core values. So researchers have found that when people just list the 20 things that are most important to them in their life, that can help them get some clarity on aligning what they're doing with what is meaningful to them. So in the case of caring for an elderly relative, obviously so much difficult and painful and unrewarding time spent in some cases. But I'm sure that many people caring for an elderly relative really love that person immensely and feel a great gratitude that that person is still with them in their lives. So again, just zooming out a little bit, going from the sort of on the ground uh, intensity that we often feel to a 10,000 foot view where you can really see the landscape of your life and why what you're doing matters in that landscape can be quite powerful. Is that one of the the problems with this pandemic? We haven't, although we've had a lot of time, we haven't had a lot of time to step back and really view what's going on um, in the in the grand scale of the landscape of our lives. Oh my goodness. I mean, for me personally, yes. And I think for many people as well, we, it's, as you said, it's been this strange experience where we are, you know, we're, we're often isolated in new ways, but somehow overburdened with so much to do and a, and a really rapidly shifting landscape of what we need to do, right? Which I think can put us in this defensive and reactive posture as opposed to having autonomy and ownership over what we're doing. So again, you know, I think that we first acknowledge that this is difficult, but then say, where can I rediscover or reclaim that autonomy? And 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 zooming out, taking that time to do it. I know it. I agree with you. It's been harder to do than usual, but maybe that's what makes it more important than usual to do mm -hmm. as well. I have been absolutely blown away by some people and their generosity, and and they've been through so much. Whether it's just a personal tragedy or trauma during this pandemic or the loss of a building, but they're, or a business rather, but they're still, you know, they keep giving, they keep giving. Can you talk about the um, connection and the evidence behind uh, people undergoing trauma and and what happens? Yeah, with regard to kindness. Talk what you're talking about is what researchers describe as altruism born of suffering. And I think it's so interesting and I wish more people knew about it. You know, I think that when a disaster strikes, whether it's a personal disaster or a collective one, 
I think media sometimes focuses on how that brings out the worst in us. You know, early in the pandemic, we all saw those videos of people fighting in supermarkets over toilet paper. And mm. yes, during disasters, people can sometimes become very selfish. But there is another story lying just under the surface. It turns out that during times of disaster, and whether, again, personal or collective, people find all sorts of new ways to help one another. During the pandemic, charitable donations and volunteering shot up even though many people were more financially constrained and time constrained than ever. This time has been so difficult in so many ways, but it's also been an absolute uh, uh, explosion of kindness around the world. I think in part because when people are suffering, when they're having a hard time, they realize, hey, I'm vulnerable. I'm a, a human being just like everyone else. And if it weren't for my luck, someone else who's doing much worse than me, we could, be, we could, we could switch places, right? So I think that that vulnerability uh, of dealing with really hard times like we have been can be really isolating. But if you look at it differently, it can also connect us all because we're all vulnerable together. I love that we're ending the show um, with you. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Uh, Professor Zaki. Uh, your book is called The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World. Thanks so much for sparing some time. Thank you. That was a great conversation. Have a great day. Jamil Zaki is Stanford University Associate Professor of Psychology and the author of that book.